Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. All right. Good morning, Quest Church. It's good to be here and uh, excited to talk about evangelism, right? And so uh, one of my uh, sweet spots and definitely a passion. So uh, why don't we open up in prayer and we will dive in. And uh, as we're getting ready to open prayer, if you want to turn to John chapter 15, we're going to start there. So John chapter 15 is where we're going to start. And then uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, just to uh, dig into your word together. Thank you, Lord, just uh, for the uh, topic of evangelism, Lord, and just uh, sharing the, the truth of your gospel, Lord, and just help us as a church, Lord, just to, uh, to do this well and to do this together and uh, encourage one another in sharing of, of your word and your truth. And uh, I pray, Lord, you prepare our hearts to receive this uh, message this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. So yeah, it's been, it's been a while since I've been back preaching with you guys. I think there's been a couple times for the invites, just hasn't worked out the schedule. Uh, but really excited about next week uh, for sports camp. And uh, just so if you don't know me yet, just a little bit about me. Uh, I don't want to make this about me at all, just a little bit of background. Um, I was radically saved in November 4th, 1998. I walked away from professional baseball to go into ministry, uh, start coaching high school baseball. That led to being a youth pastor, playing a church in 2010, and the last uh, nine years now I've been doing sports ministry, so using the platform of sports to share the gospel. Uh, and so in the last uh, nine years here in the East County, I've been on public schools with some of the campus clubs. We do multi-sport camps like this, do baseball clinics and camps, and then I have four faith-based travel baseball teams um, that, that, I, that I run and manage um, out here in the East County. So that's just kind of a little bit of my passion, and, and uh, what got me was... Uh, I believe, even though I'm a baseball guy, that if you can use a ball to get someone's attention, then I'm going to use that to share the gospel. Does that make sense? I mean, it, to me, soccer is a universal language of the world. You can drop a soccer ball in any country and have kids speaking different languages. They'll start picking up and playing. And so I'm like, man, if, if a ball can get that much attention, then I'm going to use that to share the gospel. Uh, so I never watered down the word. Uh, this last uh, week at camp, we had, uh, it was a smaller camp. We had 25 kids, but 11 of those kids prayed to receive Christ. Um, and just uh, super honored and privileged to do what I do. With all that being said, a life update, uh, as, as we've been partnering with Quest for, I want to say, at least four or five years. It's been, a, it's been a long run with you guys, probably five years with you guys, that um, well, I'm actually moving to Missouri uh, in about a week. So, um, yeah, it, it came really uh, suddenly. Uh, I was a youth pastor in Missouri nine years ago, and well, we fell in love with the place and the culture and the pace of life and all that and had a, had a rough uh, uh, environment of working, and we just kind of came back home to San Diego and been trying to go back and never worked out. And then about a month ago, God opened the door, and we're like, oh, I guess we're actually moving this time. This is kind of crazy. And so um, from that moment, about Five, four or five weeks ago, uh, on the plate between then and now, five camps, two baseball tournaments, 
taking kids to a prospect camp in Arizona and preaching here today twice. How crazy is that, right? <laughs> so uh, I have a huge passion for evangelism, right? And so here's, a, here's the title of today's sermon if you're taking notes. God's plan for evangelism is discipleship. They're hand in hand. They're one and the same. We're going to see that today. So I believe that God's plan for evangelizing is discipleship. So I'm going to break down some terms, what I, what I feel Scripture teaches us about evangelism and discipleship. But I'm going to start here in, in John chapter 15, and it's one of those that you got all your notes here, and then the Holy Spirit says, hey, let's start here, right? So that's what we're doing. So let's go to John chapter 15, and I'm going to go to the, the final verse and then read the whole uh, section in context here. So in John 15... Verse 8, Jesus says, By this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. There's evidence, right? And by the way, if we see this, if you look at John 15, as we're to go through it, God doesn't talk about just bearing some fruit or okay fruit. He says, much fruit. So the plan for so I'll, let me go back again. Let me go back even a step further. Every Christian ought to be a disciple. So if you're not a disciple, are you a Christian? Ooh, we got to think about that, right? So the, the believer in Christ ought to be a disciple. And here it says that the disciples are bearing fruit to prove that we're disciples. Isn't that amazing? So let's go and read this here, John chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the vine, my father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me, can you all say in me? In me. So in me, by the way, Jesus is talking to his disciples here. It's a small group meeting, and he's reminding them that those who are connected in me, these are believers in Christ. So every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. Then it may bear more fruit. So in other words, uh, if you've ever seen a grapevine in a vineyard, there's grapes, right? And they have the vines. The, the, the father is the vine dresser. He's the inspector, and he's walking through the vineyard. He's inspecting the vines, right? And he goes and he says, okay, that's great. It's healthy. Oh, that one's not healthy. And so there are some that he prunes to bear what? More fruit. And those that aren't bearing fruit... Maybe it's not positioned in the right place. Maybe it's in the shadow or whatever. It's not getting the right sun or it's hanging down. So what the vine dresser does is he picks up that branch. He ties it, cleans it up. Why? So it would bear what? More fruit. Pretty amazing. By the way, who does um, all this fruit bearing, right? It's the vine dresser. He positions us to be in a place to bear much fruit. That's the goal. And so he says in verse 3, Already you are clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. This word abide that we see over and over again, it means to Another translation will say remain in. So it's remain in to stay connected to. It's this relationship of us connected to God and, and God connected to us. It's this, it's this relationship that it's this way, right? And he goes on in verse 5, which many of us know this verse. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not abide in me, he it is is, is like a branch and it, uh, is thrown away like a branch and it withers and the, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father's glorified that you would bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Can I get an amen? So with that, we were going to start in Matthew 28. So if you could turn with me to Matthew 28, that's where we're going to be really jumping in deep here. In Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things which I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Amen. So we have to realize that God the Father here, he, he is our, our, Jesus here is our commander-in-chief. And if we look at these words in the Greek, he's literally giving his people, his disciples, a military command to go. So it's not okay for the Christian to not go. We are to go and make disciples of the nations. We're to go. And there was a, a pastor that, uh, that I listened to at one point in my life, and uh, I, I came across him when I was church planning, and he came across these eight factors that he saw in the life of a maturing believer. And here's eight, eight quick points. I won't go deep into each one, but here's eight quick points, or you might want to call it eight marks of a disciple. Number one, Bible engagement. Bible engagement. A disciple of Jesus Christ is right here. You're engaged. You're, you're in your word of God, and we need it daily. Amen? Number two, a disciple of Christ is one who obeys God and denies self. Isn't that one of the hardest things to do in life? Denying self. Maybe I'm just talking to the guys who are prideful, right? But denying self. If any of you... Choose to come after me, deny self, pick up your cross daily and follow me. We must deny ourselves. So obey God, deny self. Number three, serving God and others. And I'll be honest, like that's what I get really excited about for sports camp is the body of Christ coming together, serving alongside one another. And what did Jesus say about his disciples? The world will know who my disciples are by what? Their love towards one another, right? And so it's a great opportunity to have 50, 75 plus people co-laboring side by side, loving one another. And, and I think that's a huge uh, witness to the kids and the families that come to camp, right? Is that, well, why is this different than anything else that we do? It's the believers loving one another. And they're like, I want what they have, right? Like, they, they're different. The, that smile, that love, that side hug, whatever it is, it's, it's different. The fourth mark, sharing Christ. We need to be bold about sharing Christ, opportunities for sharing Christ. Recently, uh, I want to say about two weeks ago now, my, oh, 4th of July, my grandmother passed away and 93, so she lived a, a long life, but she had passed away and most of my family on that side are non-believers. And, and so as the opportunity arose, I asked my mom, as I went to go visit with her, as my grandmother was lying there, 
uh, I said, is there going to be a service or anything? And, and at this point right now in the family, there's a huge divide. There's family members not getting along, so they're not talking to each other. You almost have to shoot a phone call or text to go see grandma so you don't run into each other. I mean, it's, the, it's at an all-time crazy high, but no one has crazy families, do we? No? No one's got a crazy uncle, right? Okay, just making sure we're all in the same boat here. Um, and so um, there's family members that aren't getting along. You can't go visit. It's, it's, it's seriously crazy. So I said, is there going to be a service? And she says, there's not going to be a service. Just, we're not getting along. Grandma didn't want one anyway. She just wanted to be cremated and have her ashes over at her favorite rose bush and those type of things. So I took advantage and said, hey, I got my Bible. Can I do a service for you, my brother, and, and those that are here in the room right now? She's like, yeah, that'd be great. So I had an opportunity to do that with some people that aren't really following the Lord. Share Christ. Shared the full gospel right there. Death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? She's not here. My grandmother was a believer. She's not here. She's a new glorified body in a perfect place with her creator. Praise be to God, right? Where is the gospel not there? The believer tastes no death. Isn't that amazing? Five, exercising your faith. Some of us go to the gym, some don't, right? <laughs> but I think at some point, all of us tried, right? So, um, but I know as an athlete, I was talking to Scotty Russell here. I didn't even recognize that kid, by the way. Holy smokes. I, I feel like, I mean, I'm a baseball guy. Uh, I'm on campus. I'm at Granite Hills. And I was like, oh, man, man, we've got this fake club there. He's like, yeah, I saw you. I'm like, I didn't know who you were. <laughs> uh, but just seeing that kid, over the last five years, seeing that kid probably from when he was a uh, sixth or seventh grader, trying to get him to play on my team, and, uh, and then now seeing him grow, I'm like, dude, he's like a man-child right now. This kid, uh, it's just incredible to see him. But like, yeah, exercising your faith. I was, I was talking about long toss. What are you doing to get your arms stronger? So we're talking about that. Now, I would say this. The reason why baseball is the best sport is that you have to be absolutely crazy and enjoy failing, all right? It is a game of failure. There's no other profession, sport, hobby in life that you can fail 70% and be considered a Hall of Famer and make millions of dollars, <laughs> right? Like, it's insane. It, you gotta, it's the insanity of, I fail, I do it again. I fail, I do it again. I fail, I do it again. I fail, I do it again, I succeeded. I fail, I do it again, I succeeded, I failed, I think I succeeded the third time. And that sound crazy? But it's madness, and, and the grind's not there, so I'm like, what are you doing? You gotta exercise, you gotta prepare, you gotta do the little things, the, the grind. We gotta do that with our faith. I don't know about you, but I've seen so many people, even pastors behind the pulpit, Start the race, do they finish? Sad, right? We're in a race, it's a marathon. We don't know when our last days are, but we have to finish that race. You gotta cross the finish line. Now, how about you? There are some that we think that, you know, got the, the, the suit on and they look the part and we think they're crossing the line, but then they don't. And you got some that are doing this. <laughs> right? But you, you keep going. You keep going. You keep going forward. You know, 
the things that we go through in life, and I'll just be a little bit transparent with you guys, is that the last nine or so years have been some of the roughest years of my life. I can give you every reason of why not to be a Christian, why not to preach this message, why not to go to church. Harsh work environment. One of the, the pastor was one of my best friends, and he told me going home for Christmas, make sure you want to come back or don't come back. It was all about church growth, which in six months went from 12 kids to 90 kids, so I don't know how that works out. But make sure you want to come back or don't come back. That was one of my best friends. Pretty crazy. And then I go on staff with another uh, parachurch organization, and they were asking me to partner with another church that was preaching another gospel. They were saying that Jesus was fully man and not God here on earth, which is heretical. And I confronted them, had to leave that parachurch organization. By the way, when you work for a parachurch organization, parachurch come alongside the church so it's a different nonprofit, right? You raise your funds to do the work. So you have a job of fundraising to do the job of being the missionary on the road. So it's like two jobs, but you don't get paid for all of it, right? So you have to do all that. And so I had to walk away from that, which you lose tons of donors. So I had to start over again with CSI. And then I was at another church here locally. And during all the COVID and stuff, they go woke. People start exiting the church. And for some reason, a lot of those people that left happened to be our friends. We got asked to leave. Pretty crazy, right? I mean, the list could go on and on, but my relationship with Christ has nothing to do with other people. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be persecution. I'm not saying that's even a, a dose of what some of the persecution that's out there, but I can see how some people have been hindered, right, from the, the witness part of it. So we've got to be sharing our faith, exercising our faith, we need to be in the word. You need to be a person, a man or woman of God. You need to be in the word. Read your word. Study your word. Be a person of prayer, fellowship. Stay connected. I got a couple, a couple of people, I, my go-to guys, right? Some are closer, some are further. But you got to have your closer people that when you're, you're, you're barely hanging on, you can reach out, right? Now, ultimately, our greatest comforter is who? The Holy Spirit. Praise be to God for the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Six, seeking God, just having that ongoing, like, seek him. When you don't feel like it, seek him. Things are great, seek him. Things are difficult, seek him. Just keep seeking him. Seven, building relationships, which I kind of touched upon. Just, you got to have those relationships that you're building in your life. And some, some need to be close, where you need that face-to-face, -face, you need that hug. You need that person to hear you or you hear them, but some can be from a distance, too. Some of those that you trust. That, you're, that are your prayer warriors. I have a guy that I, I don't think I've ever met. His name is Pastor Al. And he's been my prayer warrior for probably 18 years. I met him through a mutual contact. And he has a better, I hate to say it, but he's got a, pray, a better prayer journal of my life than I do. He, I actually owe him a, a response. He says, hey, Mark, here's your list of prayers. <laughs> right? <laughs> Can you give me an update? <laughs> But he literally prays over every single one of these. It's, it's amazing. And being busy doing all the camp stuff. I haven't done a newsletter in months, unfortunately. Sad to say. I need to do one. 
But I know I got Pastor Al praying for all this stuff, right? Like, I'm just telling you, like, God works in mysterious ways. And last but not least, unashamed transparency. Just being open with people. Like, look, I know where you're at. You've been mistreated by the church? Been there. God asked to leave. I asked, if I've, done, if I've sinned, show me where I've sinned. Matthew 18, right? If I've sinned, you know, if someone sins, you go to them and tell them. There's no sin issue. Some churches are just derailing, getting away from the true gospel. So, with all that being said, every disciple should evangelize, right? Every disciple should evangelize. Making disciples necessarily, it involves helping people who are not yet disciples to become disciples. That is evangelism, and Jesus modeled it. Uh, I'm going to go through some, I'm probably going to fast forward a little bit, but Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 15 this is the New King James Version. He says, Now after John was put out of prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. I think we get away from that sometimes. We don't want to tell people you need to repent. I was at a camp last week, and one kid's like, um, Pastor Mark, he's like, I believe. I never repented. Well, what do you, well number one, what do you really believe? And then, why do you need a Savior? Are you perfect? No, we have to repent of our sin. We have to repent of our old nature. Because remember, we're going from an old sin nature to a new person, right? We've been created new in him. We need to repent of our sin and believe what Christ has done, right? We need to believe that God's plan to save us is through his son, Jesus Christ. We've got to be bold with that. We've got to be clear with that. We repent of sin and believe in the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to save sinners, which we all are of them. And Matthew 9.35, also the New King James, says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So Jesus modeled what we need to be doing. Now, by the way, was Jesus out by himself? He's with his disciples. He's teaching them. He's living it out. He's modeling it. He's showing them, right? And that's what we're supposed to be doing together. So then you might say, well, what is evangelism? This is a definition that I have for evangelism as we're kind of like talking about how maybe there's evangelism, discipleship, maybe together. Evangelism is the teaching of the gospel with the aim to persuade. I'll read that again. Evangelism is the teaching of the gospel with the aim to persuade. So next week we got sports camp. We're to be evangelizing. We're to be teaching the gospel. And are we just throwing it out there like, okay, I'm just going to go and just wing it? No, we have an aim of who we're sharing this gospel with, right? And we're sharing this gospel message to persuade. Now, we know, I, I know that I can't convince you of anything. I can't convince you that you're a sinner, you need God's grace, whatever. And maybe you might say, well, I can see that, but we know that it is God the one who saves. God softens the heart. God gives the gift of faith to believe in him. So God does all that work. We're seed throwers. I don't know who here is a believer, a non-believer, right? I, don't, I have no idea who that is, but I'm going to preach with the aim to persuade you. I'm going to do my very best to be as clear as I can with the gospel. Does that make sense? So 
if you follow sports, you've heard this phrase, baseball is a game of inches. You ever heard of that? Or any sport, right? It's a game of inches. There was a Super Bowl probably 10 years ago. I think it was the Houston Texans. And they were going and they were making this crazy last play. And the guy dove. And he was right at like the one inch line and he got tackled. Lost the game by one inch. Baseball, they say baseball is a game of inches. Recently, I heard a commentator say it's not a game of inches, it's a game of millimeters. You have a round bat trying to hit a round ball, 90 miles an hour, coming at you. And if you think this, I should have brought a baseball. I got one in my car. You get a baseball. If you're trying to hit, let's just say this is a baseball. The difference of hitting the ball square right here versus right here or right here is a big difference. The degree if it's going to get on down, up, millimeters, millimeters. So my aim is I'm talking to kids, what are you trying to do? Swing the bat. I'm like, you're going to spend a half an hour just hitting the ball and just going crazy. I'm like, why don't you focus right here? So I want you to focus on this spot in the baseball. They're like, really? I call it hyper-focus. You want to hyper-focus on this spot. It's going to make you that much better. I'm not changing your swing. I just want you to hyper-focus right there. Hit the ball right there see what happens. It's crazy. We have to have the same kind of aim as we're sharing the gospel. We've got to share it clearly. We've got to know who we're talking to, right? Let's talk about teaching real quick. Many of us think of preaching when we think of evangelism. Um, and I, for one, I want my sermon to give and contain the gospel, but Paul did share of his evangelistic preaching. And Paul describes his own ministry as he says it is a teaching ministry. If we were to briefly look at First, uh, first Timothy, First Timothy, oops, First Timothy chapter 2 it says, For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. J.I. Packer, in his survey of, of Paul's evangelistic practice, says that Paul's method of evangelism was primarily a teaching method. So think about it. There are some that are teaching behind the scenes with Sunday school teachers and next down they're teaching, a man is out there teaching, right? And there are some that have the gift and are called to preach. We're all, we're all called to share the message. You can teach someone over Chick-fil-A, right? You should be able to flip that mat over and do the bridge illustration and share the gospel, which I've done several times. But we have to be a part of that. And our aim, the aim to persuade, to remind us that people need more than just a, a data transfer. Um, some who think evangelism is only as teaching do a great job explaining uh, expanding and answering questions as we all should, but all Christians should apply themselves to think through the reasons for the hope that we have in Christ. So many times that we just, and we just throw it out there and then we get asked questions, we're like, oh, I don't know, I'm supposed to know this, right? We have to know what we're doing. We have to, as we set, our, set out the facts of the gospel, we have to remember that evangelism's aim is, is helps us to be compassionate, understanding, and loving. Because there are people who have questions. I had someone last night shoot me a text or a message on, uh, on Instagram. Hey, Mark, what does the Bible say about death penalty? It's pretty deep, right? Go back and look at Scripture. 
pray and share the truth in love. We have to have an aim that keeps, us, keeps our perspective on what we're doing. And here's, here's what it is. Our aim helps us to remember that what's at stake, to see people move from darkness to light, bondage to freedom. At our last camp, we had a few kids from the El Cajon um, Transitional Youth Living, or El Cajon Transitional Living Center. And as we had some kids there, some kids were hurting. From the first day in, you're having kids hit each other, talk trash about each other, um, you know, guys almost threatening, like hitting a girl, like not like in a, in a, in a way that they're going to get in a fight, but just, you know, antagonizing each other. And I was like, guys, uh, hands and feet to yourself, hands and feet to yourself over and over again. And as they left, it was better. Day two, they're coming in, a little bit less. By the end of the week, they had joy in their face. Several of those kids repented and believed in the gospel. Life transformation. They went from darkness to light, bondage. And look, does that change where they're going back? Didn't change their environment, but now they're free in Christ. And if you're free in Christ, you're free indeed. They have an inside-out experience. And one of those kids, his name was Danny, comes up to me. He says, hey, man, I just want you to know, he's like, I need some prayer. He's like, I'm going through a lot right now. I have a little sister, and dad left. And he's like, and I don't like him, and I'm angry at him, but that was, he was her little angel, and my little sister's hearts are broken right now. And I say, you know what? Continue to be a loving big brother. And we begin to have another talk, so once again, kids are coming to camp, we, didn't know, we don't know what their, what their home life's like. Love for one another, sharing the gospel, aim to persuade. You get pulled over, you have a side conversation, and now this is real life, right? So we gotta understand is as we share the gospel and people are set free, which is great, some people have to go back to the same environment, same situation. What then? So we have to give them a reality of you're going back to this circumstance, this situation, but here's how you continue to move forward in your walk with Christ. We go back to John 15, abide in him. Abide, abide, abide. He is your joy. He is your hope. He is your peace. Despite the circumstances, it had to be real. Hey, Dan, you're going back to this, but you must continue to cling on to Jesus Christ. He's gonna get you through. And because now you're new in Christ, he, he knows that Ephesians, if we look at the, our, our verse for camp, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, prepared beforehand that we should do a good work. So for the person in Christ, God has chosen you before the foundation of the earth. And he's prepared you, he has a purpose for you, and he's prepared you to do a good work, and that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. If we look at that in the Greek, it literally translates to be, you are a -a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. You are a -a one-of-a-kind masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus, prepared beforehand to do a good work. We weren't created to do nothing. We were created to do a work, which is what? Part of that bearing fruit, much fruit, right? So, Oh, I can't miss this one. This is good, this is good. Turn with me as we wrap up. As we wrap up. Mr. Brian, the worship leader here. We're going to be wrapping up here in like two minutes. 
Lord willing, right? You know, what that, you know what that means, folks, right? By the way, I'm keeping this as short as I possibly can. I'm used to going 60 minutes, so the sermon got hacked. I could go. I'm a coach, too, so you know I can teach. Uh, John 16, if you're with me, John 16. John 16, 8. Something beautiful about the pages of the Bible turning, right? Let's look, let's go up a bit. Let's go to John 16, 5. It says, but now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit is a convictor of sin, not you and I. So we cannot convince unbelievers of their sinfulness. It is the Spirit, the Spirit of God, who convicts men and women of sin. Before, before Jesus died, he foretold that the Holy Spirit, which we just read about, right? When he comes, he will convict the world concerning their sin. I believe, folks, that this, we get this wrong in our church. Sometimes we feel it's our job to convict others in their sin. But while we can tell people that they're sinful, it is only the Spirit who can actually convict them. The Spirit of God's going to do the work. So let me ask you a question. Do you trust the Holy Spirit to do its work? Do I trust the Holy Spirit to do the work? And this whole idea of evangelism, who does that include? Who is given the task of evangelism? You, me, the local church. All of us, we all have that responsibility to do that. We must show our faith in our lives. We must share our faith. We must invite others to hear of this message. And what is that message? That Christ came to save sinners. Right? Which I know that I'm one. And I love Ephesians 2. This will be the last scripture we'll read this morning. Ephesians 2. And Paul writes this in Ephesians 2. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom which we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So is there any good people here? No. We like to say we're good, but we're not. We're naughty by nature. We're children of wrath heading for destruction. But then there's but God, Right? Probably the best but God you're ever going to see, right? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. 
And he raises up with him and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that we, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our camp theme next week is identity. And you'll see on the shirt to say, we are his. We are his. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, prepared beforehand to do a good work. Amen? I'm going to close out in prayer as we pray. I don't know where everyone's at spiritually. I believe that it's God alone who saves. By God's grace alone. By faith alone, as in Christ. So, it's not a magic prayer, but if you realize, I don't know if I'm a believer. I don't know if I'm a disciple of Christ. I've just been chilling, like a villain, right? I got, I got one of my dearest family members. I'm going to serve, they, they're a professed believer. I'm going to serve Christ when I retire. Got more time. Are they serving Christ now? My favorite movie of all time, Rocky Three. Happened to be on last night when I was finishing up sermon prep. If you've seen Rocky Three, it's the one where uh, he beats Apollo Creed and then Apollo trains him to fight Mr. T. And Rocky's just dogging it during his training. And Apollo Creed says, what are you waiting for? There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Right? Why would you? you know, we don't know if we're living tomorrow. Don't put off serving Christ. Do it today. Don't wait till you retire. Do it today. If you put it off now, you'll put it off later. You can almost guarantee it. So I want to encourage you guys, is anyone here, if you don't know who Christ is, my encouragement is you would repent of your sin and turn to Christ today to be your Savior. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much of your, your love, your grace, your mercy, Lord, and thankful for the opportunity to uh, encourage the body of Christ here. There are some that are doing this well, and it's an encouragement. And there are some like, oh man, I kind of put that on the back burner. I need to keep, I need to get back on that discipleship uh, path. I need to be sharing the gospel with friends, coworkers, families. Um, and some of us are already signed up, ready to serve next week, Lord. May that just be an encouragement at the body of Christ working together. And Lord, there's also some here today who might have thought they're saved. They're like, well, I don't know if I've ever repented of my sin. I believe what God has done for me, but my life hasn't changed. There's been no change. So with everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed, if, if God has softened your heart to the gospel, and you're saying, you know what? Today I want to repent of my sin. I'm going to believe that God's plan to save me is through Jesus Christ, his life, the miracles, his death, the resurrection. I believe that Christ came to save me. If that's the condition of your heart and you want to be saved, and you want to trust in Christ to be your Savior today with everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed, just raise your hand so we can pray for you. Is there anyone here this morning saying, you know what, I need Jesus Christ. 
But Father, I just pray. I see you. God bless you. Praise God. Guys, pray if there's any here, whether they raise their hand or not. There's no magic prayer. It's a condition of our heart, and it's you softening the heart, the Spirit of God doing the work. I pray that they would go and talk to one of the leaders, pastors here at Quest, Lord. We're so thankful for your mercy. We're so thankful for your grace and uh, thankful for the, the miracle of salvation of someone who is going from lost to being found, going from darkness to light. So we thank you. We praise you today, Lord, and we just give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.